Greetings, everybody. This is the Men in Red podcast. And as you can tell, I am hosting it. So this is going to be bad. <laughs> um, today, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Tim. Hey, DJ. Buongiorno. And for the first time on this podcast, we have hailing from Wisconsin, the land of cheese. And now I want some cheese. Mr. Arai. Hello, Tim and DJ. Thank you for having me. <laughs> welcome, welcome. So we have some pretty, I don't know if it's interesting news. I don't even know if you could qualify it as good or bad news. But um, let's just jump right into it. So first things first. The Fire apparently have made a signing. And that signing is a name I'm going to butcher. Usmane Dumbia. He is a Cote and according to the rumors, the Fire are going to be signing him on loan from Lugano as a DP through 2023. Although, and, did they actually say it was a loan? One report said it was a loan, but the, the reporting in English um, around it from you know, Tom Bogart and, and others didn't make it clear that it was. Yeah. Um, my guess is that it's more than likely a loan. The guy that said it was also one of the guys that talked about uh, MHS, uh, how I still say joining. I'm going to say it's probably a loan just because there was a mention of him having an option to buy, and that makes perfect sense given the situation. But with that said, um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a transfer for just this and they goes back to Lugano and gets a new contract type of situation. Um, but some facts on him. He is 31 years old. He's a defensive midfielder. Of course, he comes from Lugano. Um, he was reportedly one of their better players. He can play center back as well, which may be needed, but I, I don't really know what to make of this signing. Uh, gentlemen, do you have any thoughts? I mean, there's low-level rumors that there may be another D mid in the fire roster right now that may be moving on. So that could be a part of it. Um, you know, it, it, it's sort of funny because there were people like uh, Jiggly and, and some other people that were after the messy signing, were clamoring about how important it was that we get a big name for our next DP and not just some guy that happened to cost more than, you know, about a million and a half bucks. Um, or who we could find a way to pay more than a million and a half bucks, which is the way that I think some of us felt about a lot of Heights' BP signings. And then there's this guy that literally none of us had ever heard of, and we have to look him up, and he looks like an okay mid-level MLS player, but nothing special. And as a you know fan group, we're just sort of like, well, it's okay too. I mean, we want Lewandowski, but I mean, I guess this, this dude's <laughs> fine. I don't know. I mean... It, to me, it just shows. It just feels like another height signing for sure. Um, I don't understand it. I mean, I, I guess the the silver lining is that it's a half season deal. Correct me if I'm wrong. So he's really only guaranteed to be here for the end of the year. Uh, it's not a long term uh, commitment. So that part is good, I guess. I just don't understand. It. I mean, if this is literally all we could sign, number one, that's pretty sad. I think if we don't shoot higher. And uh, if Usman Dumbia is listening uh, to this, hey, man, I hope you prove me wrong. Trust me. But it's not you that I'm doubting. It's the system. <laughs> it's, the, it's the height selection process. 
So, so this that's one of the things that's different about this from stuff we've seen from Heights before. Because I, I think one of the issues I've had with Heights is that he will give guys pretty much out of nowhere contracts that are both very highly paid for the salary cap as well as very long-term. And this being a shorter deal, I mean, I think if anything, the thing I'm reading from it is that, well, I mean, the relief, I guess, is we didn't sign some like, you know, 45-year-old washed-up Premier League striker to a like seven-year DP contract, which was sort of like the the classic sort of like heights thing where you pay guys that are a little bit too old, a little bit too much for a little bit too long. Um, and so this isn't that. So there's that. And it also means that the DP spot will be open at the end of the year. The fact that it's a six-month loan makes me think that Heights is aware he's not going to be the general manager of the Chicago Fire after this season. And if this is the way we find that out, then I guess, to be honest, I'm pretty happy with it. Why even let him like sign a DP? That's my thing. Like If I were Joe Mansueto, and granted, Joe Mansueto has a lot more money than me, why would I let Heights spend my money on uh, like what could be a washed-up player, frankly, uh, for well, lack of a better term? I don't know. So it looks like he has kind of like looking at some highlights from him it early on the stuff that I found. And by the way, it is not easy to find like second, like second league in Switzerland highlights um, (laughs) on things from like five years ago. Um, You know, it does look like he's gotten to be a much stronger player. Like there's some more recent footage of him, like basically like, you know, kind of like playing balls that destroy opposition midfields. Like he, he looks like he's some, got some pretty good ability to have progressive ball movement. So I, I think that he looks like a decent MLS player. He doesn't look like a DP, but the DP spot was open. So the choice that we basically had was we leave it open and we don't use it, or we use it and get a player in exchange. Um, it, as long as it's open for when the next general manager is here, I, I don't think it really makes a difference. But respectfully, I, like we need a striker. Like why, like, yes, we have, uh, Georgios Kutsias and, and, you know, grandpa Kai Kamara, but, um, I, I mean, Casper, yeah, like Casper's all other story. Right. But like, he's not, he's not the answer. And I don't know. It feels like we have enough midfield depth where this seems unnecessary to me. Like, I don't know, Gaston and Fetty have been fine. I mean, not great, but they, they've been fine. Um, I don't know. Like, do you think this? Do you think this guy would uh, step into? Do you think Usman would step into uh, one of their roles? Like, who do you think goes? If if there's like a rotation, I guess. Like, who who's he taking the spot first? So I don't know if they're both going to be there. Sorry, DJ. Oh, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. So I I think the question is: by the end of the transfer window, are they both there? Um, both Fetty and Gaston, because there's a chance they're not. In which case, I think then then the plan kind of becomes a little bit clearer. Um, obviously Gaston at his age, you know, is kind of declining asset in value. So I can see the desire to move him on. He also is on a contract that's very expensive and lasts for like another three years. So if we can get that off the books, I see the allure of that. Um, I believe Fede is still technically on a YDP deal or a U22 deal. He is on U22 through 2027 now. Well, he can't be U twenty two through twenty twenty seven. Yep, it it's based on when the contract is signed. It's not based on his age. It's based on the signing of it. So he could yeah, be here till he's thirty, and he's still on that contract. 
Yeah, so that's the thing. The salary you can you can you count as a U twenty two up through the year that you're born. I think when you turn twenty five or twenty six, so he won't be able to. We won't be able to slap that status on him. At which case, his same wages. Like we could have signed that deal. Which the reason you sign it is so you can sell a guy to, like onto like a club in Europe or something like that for more money. Um, but he won't be on that status, and so he will take up more of the salary budget starting next year. Um, so. I mean, in terms of like if it's Gaston or if it's Fetty moving on, there's like plus and minuses to both from a lot of different perspectives, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, Heights did say he was trying to sign a striker. I, I think the thing is, push come to shove, when you look at the people that Heights has been able to bring in and the prices he's been able, like, I'm assuming he's not negotiating against himself and trying to spend more money than he has to. So when you look at the guys he's brought in and the amount of money he's paid, um, it, it really looks like I don't think that he could have found a good striker that would have been willing to come here for a reasonable amount of money on a DP deal and then leave at the end of the season. And to me, it's more important to have the DP spot open for next year and going forward for whoever takes the reins of the team going forward than it is to sign a guy for six months. I feel like at the end of the season, too, we're going to be seeing a lot of roster turnover no matter what. Because we have like, I think ten guys on options, two guys, uh, Sebas and Holly Salase, being possible buyouts, and then you have Kamara and Shabilko both being on one-year option on the end of their contracts. With full honesty, I get a feeling Kamara may be retiring at the end of the season if this All-Star news is correct. Because I would not be shocked. Man is thirty; will be thirty-nine next year. And it's very clear there have been games where it's like we need to start subbing him out, which is part of why Kutsias is such a big player now. But I know I feel like I feel like so not you going to actually to- announce that news for those that haven't heard it, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we were going to talk about this later, but allegedly, according to Tim, can you pronounce that name? Because I'm going to butcher it. Pablo Iglesias Maur. Okay. Thank you, sir. Uh, Kai Kamara has been selected for the All Star game. As the journeyman of MLS, which I mean, fits. He's been on how many teams, but I don't know what to make of that. I missed that. More teams than the league initially had. Yeah. That's, it's got to be like, that, that's got to be a thing where, like, hinting at his retirement, I would think. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's, he's not fit to play 90 minutes anymore. He, he's a fa- he was a fantastic player, obviously, going through. I mean, well, what's it, how many clubs? 10, 11 clubs he's. 10, 10 right 10 yep. he's been uh he's played for 10 different mls clubs um and yeah i mean he's 38 like you said going on 39 and like the fitness is definitely not quite there yeah when he's like when he has energy and stuff he's a good, good performer but yeah i mean it's interesting i i mean uh i was gonna say selection of the all-star game based on the fire like that would be interesting but if he's gonna be like a journeyman like i guess that makes sense like he's been He's been in the league, and he's been selected for the All Star Game before. I would imagine once, several times. Only really? once. Just, only once. Twenty fifteen wow. was the only time he's ever been selected. The Kamara's biggest problem, I think, when it comes to like All Star, is there's always that one other guy that's better. He has the Nick Romando effect of, yeah, he's really good this year. There's always that one guy that just better or gets more press. That's crazy. That seems like robbery considering how good he's been. Uh, so, I'm literally fact checking you right now just because I don't believe that. I believe you, but 
<laughs> this is one of the problems that I've got with the current MLS form, like All Star format, because it was one thing when you put together like one side of players to play against a team from somewhere else, and we had ten teams. But with twenty nine teams, like there's really good play- players that are just getting overlooked in a way that doesn't happen in leagues where you do like an East versus West format or like something else with the All Star game. I feel like though a lot of people won't complain about that, honestly, just because. I mean, let's be fair. The last time the Fire had somebody selected for the All-Star game, there was almost a player mutiny with David Akam because he wasn't selected. The Fire's track record of All-Star games is not that good. Brandon Vincent yeah. was the last one, I think. Uh, or, or no, Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger. Wasn't Schweinsteiger? Schweinsteiger was had one year. Right? Yeah. yeah. 2017 was, I think, the last year. He might have been selected okay. in 18, but... I know 2017 for sure was when the whole bowl went down with David Akam and Velko and all that. So this is all the more reason. Like, I, I mean, maybe the solution is you do like a, a first half and a second half all-star team to give some more people looks just because it, it just seems like the, the current format. I mean, sure, like the all-star game is kind of stupid and like, you know, who really cares and all that. Yeah. But to the extent that like you're trying to recognize excellence, which is great. Um I think there's a lot of it that is not getting recognized under the current format. So, I would love East versus West again. That that would yeah. Be nice. I mean, I'm down for that. For all the talk about the league becoming a bigger thing and more mature and stuff like that, then go, turning around and like playing against a, a team that just—I mean, it's a game where no one's really caring about who wins. So, like putting that out there, but like then just playing against a random team just seems like it's a step backwards. The MLS League at Mekes thing, I think, was kind of a cool idea. Like, I'd be, if we're going to do it against someone that's not MLS, I would think that that would be the way to go. But what do I know? Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to what we were talking about before we went on that tangent. Um, But yes, so I kind of agree. I think it's likely that the Fire have someone that's on the way out. More than likely, I'm going to say it's Gaston but I would not be shocked if it's Fede or even maybe Torres. Because that's one guy I'm wondering if he's leaving, given how well he's produced. It would not be shocking just to see him gone before the end of the year, be it Lugano or back to Mexico. Same with Gaston to Argentina, maybe even Fede. But I know Gaston has received interest from Argentina last year, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. that would- that's so one thing that would affect the the fire kind of is that it, for Hyra to move on because he's on that DP deal, it, it isn't that advantageous for us. I mean, unless we can get the transfer money back, which like, let's be honest, we're not, yeah. we're not getting what, what we paid for him based on what we've seen lately. Um, and so that makes one of the other candidates more likely, um, you know, I, I'm not really sure that it helps kind of speculating about it. Like, I think Gaston has actually played pretty well lately, all things considered. I, I still, you know, don't necessarily think that if you're trying to win something serious in MLS that he's one of the guys you want in a double pivot. Um, you know, Fede, I think, came in with a lot of promise, and I still love his work ethic. Um, and I think that's a way that, you know, really uh, Gaston has improved a lot is the fact that it really does look like he's leaving it out on the field now. but. You know, I, I think Fetty's kind of found a ceiling a little bit. Maybe it's a glass ceiling he can break through, but as it is right now, I just don't really think that 
he looks like the kind of guy you have on your team as a starting midfielder if you're competing for hardware. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Ari? I would echo that. Yeah, I was. I, w- I would echo that. I would say that. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, this this signing, this DP signing, and yes, like l- let's just judge Heights and like let's say he knows. L- let's just say he knows his contract is up, right? It it wouldn't make sense to do this still to me because like we're talking about next year and everything in terms of how we have the you know Gaston and Fetty potentially unless one of them are on their way out, which honestly that then this signing might make sense if one of them are if one of them is on their way out or they're shopping them or somebody put in like a, let's say a big bid for Navarro because he's young or Fetty Navarro because he's young um, or Gaston they're trying to offload because you know he's kind of mediocre. I mean he he's fine. he has good games, he has bad games, but he's kind of average. Um, but th- then the signing kind of makes sense. So I, I guess with that regard, sure, whatever heights. Like, but I, yeah, we still needed, I think, more of an attacking option. This guy seems more like a defensive midfielder who maybe can play center back. There yeah, was- like, you, like good NLS quality strikers don't grow on trees. And I, if you can't get, I would much, like I, I said this before, but like it's, it's great that it's a six month commitment, whether that's six months is DP or anything else. I would much rather have, I mean, a center back for six months than a striker that was anything but a world beater for like three or four years and tying the future of the team's hands with that guy for a big contract. So that's, I think, pushing on the shelf why I'm fine with it. Daniel Cyrus. Yeah. Um, one thing I actually just thought of, which I'm going to tie into the next part, I'm wondering if the fire have already had discussions with their candidates and they're all their candidates have said, yeah, let's start offloading certain players. There is. So going into the next part, possible coaching update. Bob Bradley is out in Toronto. Now the odds of Bradley coming, I'm going to say are probably low because there are other people on that list ahead of him that the fire without a doubt would probably go for in a heartbeat. Jesse Marsh and Jim Curtin top up right away. Brian McBride as general manager, or maybe the fire go ahead and give him a contract as coach. I doubt it, but, but Bradley being out is kind of an interesting thing because it would be vet. It's very clear. Bradley's kind of on his last few. I, I don't know what's happened. He's just not the coach he was before. I don't know if it's because of Toronto or just because Bradley doesn't stick around very long. He never has. But it would be interesting to see the fire make a move for him, without a doubt. It'd be interesting. I, uh, I'd prefer Marsh or Curtin, of course, but um, Bradley, he's fine, I guess. But, um, I mean, he lost the Toronto locker room, for sure, it seemed like. Uh, he lost the fans. I was there at the Fire at Toronto game, and they announced Bob Bradley's name, and everybody in the stadium booed. Like I, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the stadium boo a coach like that. Um, so yeah, he definitely lost Toronto. Uh, how long was he there for again? A few years. A year. Uh, just one year. year. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yikes. If you can do that much damage in a year, where the fan base is booing you, that's even we don't do well. Actually, our fan base is kind of toxic. But anyway, uh, I don't know. I don't think that that would be an inspiring move. He's coached the fire before. He's done good things with the fire before. Um, but I don't think it's the most intelligent move. 
at this point. It would definitely be a move of the old era versus the modern era. So one thing that the team has done, I think, a really good job of since Joe Mansueto took the took over ownership of the team is reconnecting with a lot of the the team's history and legacy. But I think there had been, um, you know, I don't want to say like a, you know, Stalin-esque whitewashing or trying to like you know erasing history of under previous ownership, but certainly that history was not being actively promoted or recognized in the same way. Um, and I was one of the people that was really disappointed when the team had pursued Bradley at the end of the 2021 season, um, when he was leaving LAFC and it turns out that he wasn't interested in the job of the fire. Um, I since have been relieved that he wasn't, um, you know, he certainly is a coach that has strong ideas about what his role is and how the, you know, and how he wants his teams to play and what he wants to do with training and stuff like that. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to say that it's like, well, the you know, the world has shifted underneath him, but it just kind of seems like that's sort of true. Like, yeah. there's reports from Toronto where, like, they weren't doing the kinds of stuff that you typically expect a coach to be doing in, in training, um, of, like, working on certain plays and, like, going in small stuff. Like, basically, what he wanted was a, more or less, like, 11 v. 11, just, like, scrimmage and, like, go at it, which... I'm not sure is the best way to learn how to develop tactics to win games. And I mean, Toronto <laughs> did not have tactics that were helping them win games. So, um, you know, I, I sort of get why there was that like mini player revolt in Toronto. Although, I mean, admittedly, you know, having guys like Lorenzo Insigne that are very big personalities that have not really performed that well and are frustrated. I, I don't, I'm not sure how much we want to take those comments like that, you know, about how bad of a job Bradley was doing at, at face value, just given that frustration. I mean, we also have our, our version of Insigne in the shack. And how would that, how I, I would don't that go think, I do not think that that comparison is fair. Like, I, I, Shakiri has not performed, but there are no reports of anything like the locker room issues that we have heard about Lorenzo Insigne. Um, Oh, yeah, because Klopas is there to keep everyone down. But even with Ezra, we, just we didn't hear... Get, I mean, yeah, even with yeah. Ezra, I mean, it, it, we really didn't hear much about, like, I mean, issues like like Toronto was having with the oh, locker yeah. rooms. I mean, that was that wild. Like, just players completely out of line, like vaping where it's not allowed and all this stupid crap. It's just like, I'm thankful that the fire does not seem to have that much drama that ever, you know, I guess surrounds the team in terms of that. We just have incompetence usually. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we had some issues when in the wiki tenure of you know guys missing flights and stuff like that. But um, with Shakiri specifically, I mean, I don't think that an issue with him is ever him being too big of a personality in the locker room. I mean, if anything, I'd almost argue that in a way, it's it's sort of the opposite of him not really taking on the leadership mantle that he was expected to as much, but. At the same time, I, you know, my general read is that he has in, in the way that it sort of makes sense to him and the way that it sort of makes sense to him is just like being the guy that is like there and supportive. Like he's, he's talked about like seeing other teammates progress and stuff like that and wanting that to happen. I, I just don't think that you're, he's going to be the guy that's going to like stop and give the like speech that is then like summarized in a, you know, motion picture about the thing, you know? Yeah, I would agree that Shakiri just does not 
I, I don't. I, I'm surprised he even gets the captain's armband some games because it's just. I mean, obviously Rafa is the the main captain of the team, but I don't know. And I get he's the highest paid player, but that doesn't mean you get to be the captain. Uh, and it's it's I, one of those things where it's just like, and the guy just seems lethargic and. I don't know. I, I do not see him being a problem in the locker room. I, I see him being more positive than negative in the locker room, regardless of his performance on the field, because no one's going to, you know, talk to Sheridan Shakiri <laughs> like how, about well, how bad he's doing. Actively, you know, I've seen him actively trying to, like, make sure people around him are doing well and have a good time. Like, I think that if we're trying to be fair about him, I, I don't think that he's performing at the level that he wants. I, I don't think that it's really due to him deciding that he's not going to try. Um, I don't think that's fair based on at least what I've seen, but um, it's yeah. just the fact that he's getting old in a league where speed is big and physicality. I will is say, big. I don't like his body language on the field very much sometimes, where he just acts super frustrated when he's not the one making the runs. But you know, that's that's all I'll say about it. this. Is not the the focus of our conversation right now. But <laughs> I've got my problems with Shakiri, but it's not in the locker room. <laughs> So my theory with um, who is captain of the team, I'm thinking if, you, if you're Frank Klopas and you want to be strategic about it, what you really do is if you don't like the ref, you give Shakira the armband because you know that that ref is going to get <laughs> a couple of dozen ears full. And uh, memories just, of like, like, yep. <laughs> memories of, of Shakira walking after he, finally, he gets a call his way, walking to the side official and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, like in the tunnel, you know, Klopas is shaking the ref's hand and says, hey, have you ever heard of Swiss QBL? Because uh, you're about to. Anyway, we, we should, before Austin comes for us, we should probably start talking about the games this week. First of all, Wednesday night, I fell asleep. So I stayed up. Of course you did. But yeah. But uh, the Fire managed a victory over Portland Timbers. They have now beaten two of the three Cascadian teams in Cascadia, which is very good, considering they are very tough to beat for some strange reason. Uh, now they only have to beat Seattle, so... Now, all right, when was the last time we played Seattle in Seattle? 2020. It was 2020, and we tied that game yep. right before COVID. So... In that case, we've actually gone to being undefeated in Cascadia for a long time. Think about I, it that way. I mean, on a technicality, because COVID and I all think that. we might okay, have but, no. We I mean, we beat we beat teams the past two times we've been out there. Yeah, yeah. let me check. Something I'm gonna draw. To be fair, if I'm one of those teams and I see the Chicago Fires coming to town, I'm not taking the game seriously over the you know the past few years. So I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, but like, give the fire credit. Give the fire credit. This is proof that, like, if you don't take teams seriously in MLS, regardless of who you are, you do it at your own peril, right? Yeah, true. That's what the fire do. They underestimate lower opponents sometimes, and then we get, you know, or underestimate 2 0 leads or 3 1 leads, and then we get punished. DC United beat SC Cincinnati. I saw that. Yeah, it's, that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of this league is that really anything could happen. Any day, which this, is amazing. This league is full of so much bull. It is the best league on earth. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we we came so close to getting two points off Cincinnati. Like DC is going to end the season with three points off of them. 
And we almost ended with two. Like, I know, like, one versus three is a big difference in some ways. But, like, we played Cincinnati in Cincinnati. Like, I mean, it, it was a, a very close-knit game. But let's talk about our, I mean, well, this is not our topic again. But, like, let's talk about the home game that we had. We should have won that game. It was 3-1 <laughs> that we conceded late. So, really, we should have had a full three points at least on Cincy. But instead, yeah. we had one. So, yeah. You know, but anyway, no, back to Portland. Um, yeah, good win. They played, they played well, I would say. Um, they look as solid as really I've seen this team play. And I was impressed. Um, I, I tweeted, I said, fire, you're up one nil. Don't go up two nil. They didn't go up two nil. I literally said, let them score another goal and then come back and score another one. And that's exactly what they did. They listened and it worked. The uh, two nil curse did not happen that game. Kamara. Uh, yeah. Kamara got the goal the last almost last minutes. Beautiful. That's he literally scored like five minutes after I went to bed. So I bet you that's why they picked him for the All Star game. Was that? Because I went to bed? Well, no, because he scored, you know, and won the game for us. And they're <laughs> like, wow, we should really celebrate this guy. He led the fire to win in Portland. That's all star caliber right there. Now, my question is, was it as good or better than Daniel Palladini's goal in 2013? Oh, oh you're really going back there. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is the first, that is my one of my favorite memories in Fire history. As anybody that's ever heard me talk about the Fire knows, I'm a 2013 fanboy. I will take no criticism. That's fair. I mean, okay, so this is a cheap way out, but like, Frank Klopas was also coaching that season and the team narrowly missed the playoffs and so out of a hope that the team makes the playoffs this year I'm going to say that that goal was better because it could lead to the team making the playoffs I will revise my remarks come (laughs) mid-October so actually on that statement I forgot to mention this. Speaking of Mr. I need to look his name up again. Mr. Dumbia. He is now the second DP defensive midfielder who is 31 years old that has been signed to a loan from an Italian-speaking city under Frank Klopas. Alan is really excited about that. Where Frank Klopas will be out of the squad at the end of the season. He'll be off. He'll no longer be the head coach. I think it'd be funny if they kept Frank Klopas, which I, I think there's a non-zero chance of that happening. Oh, yeah. Klopas is without a doubt the backup option. Like, if all else fails, you know you can go look at Klopas and say, hey, uh, can you? And he'll just do it. You don't even need to have to say anything. He'll just all of a sudden be on the field and be like, okay, when do we start? No, I mean, I, I, I feel like they still haven't... I, I don't know if you guys have been to SeatGeek lately. I, I know you have uh, for Open Cup games, you're right. But, like, I, I feel like they're, have, they just strategically position things around the stadium that just say in case of emergency. And it's, like, this thing behind glass, and then it's just Klopas's number behind it. <laughs> um, and I feel like the team are still doing that. I feel like, the, like he's the backup option for everything. Like, I feel like if the janitor doesn't call... like doesn't come in one day and like isn't like mopping the floor of the locker room 
they're like, hey, Frankie, we need this. And like, he will just do it because he will just do anything for the team. He's the vibes <laughs> guy. Like, you need vibes, Clubhouse is your guy. Right. Like, like, and he will just will do anything for the team. Um, you know, not all of it well. Like, when he was trying to act like a neutral commentator during fire matches for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that was funny. Just like, just like stopping and being like, that just isn't good enough from some guy and stuff like that. And you're like, you're supposed to act like a neutral, just commentating about what's going on in the game. And he's just, for the life of him, God bless him, could not do it. <laughs> Dan, Dan Kelly was the neutral of the games. And I love well, that. Well, I'd argue, we're really going off on a tangent here, but I, I would argue that Dan Kelly was not neutral. Because like when the fire would score, he'd be enthusiastic. When the other team would score, he'd be like, there's a goal. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think home team commentators are always going to have a slight bias. Um, but yeah, Klopas was, you know, he, you could you could tell he was just passionate, as always. Could you imagine a podcast or a broadcast of a fire game with Dan Kelly, Kevin Egan, and Tyler Terrence? Holy. I would love that and have a guest appearance by Boschi for no reason. Maybe the sideline commentator or something, or like a TV know. host guy. Like that's what he does in uh, in in the Bundesliga. That's true. I would love it. But anyway, back to the topic at hand, <laughs> because we go off on our tangents, which is normal. Let's be fair. Uh, but yeah, so the fire one. We've been terrible. We've been terrible about that all ago. It's like saying it's normal is not an excuse. We have to. We will stick to the script from now on. Everyone. We have a script. I just said we're gonna we're gonna stay on. We are going to move through the rest of the topics we've got to move on so that we can get everything. I think I have a segue. I think I, I have, have a segue. A, I have a burrito. Oh well. I've got, okay. Um, <laughs> this is not a so, great start. Okay, you're right. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we talked uh we talked up Kai Kamara scoring the goal. We I don't even think we've mentioned Fabian Herbers yet. Which, we haven't. Look, I'm not even so back up a little. We haven't Fabian even said Herbers what's happening in the game. Fire win in Portland, two to one. First time that they've actually beaten Portland ever. We talked about it being the second victory in Cax City. We didn't actually say what happened in the game, so there we go. Yeah, there All we right. go. That's where we screwed up. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so awesome what happened? Uh, yeah. Good luck editing this one, bud. Brian um, Guti had a very good game. Like he was on fire again. I. This is probably going to be least controversial. It says a lot that the Fire's two best players are our two homegrowns. Yeah. Like, the best players of the year so far. The only other person in that conversation is Kamara. But mm. it's... Well, I mean, you figure. He's also our yeah. current Golden Boot leader. Okay, so stopping talking about the Fire broadly and talking about this game is I'm yes. going to try to keep us on track. You are going to fail. Well, but, apparently. So, um, both, of, both of them played extremely well this game and showed why they are so good. And also why we shouldn't have let them go anyway for the World Cup anyway. But hey. All right. Yeah. I'm done with that. I, no, Gucci did great. <laughs> he assisted both goals in that game. And that was, I mean, that's what you want him to do. I mean, and it's funny to me that, you know, Shakiri didn't start this game. Uh, Gucci started instead. And it, it's just amazing how much space and ability Gucci has when Shakiri's not in the field. I really think they just clash too much. And uh, not, not that they're, you know, bad players together. It's, 
what they just don't get the most out of their specific position when they're both on the field. I think, I think it's just, it's too much of a clash. So it does a lot that when, when Shakiri's not playing, I, someone posted a record somewhere. Don't quote me on it, but I think four of our wins this season have come when Guti has started and Shakiri hasn't. So I, I think that, that I, like, it, it's like small sample sizes, right? Cause we haven't won that many games. Like I'm not going to make like broad statements about like, I, I think that a lot of us do believe that Guti has been better as the number 10 I don't think, especially now that Chris Mueller's injured and the team doesn't have left wingers, uh, like you can make the argument that Shakiri should not be on the field. And Fair. you know, at, and um, and I'm not making no, that argument. Kind of interesting, I know is I, sorry, I, just, go ahead. I just find it inter- I just find it interesting. I'm, I'm not making the argument that Shakiri shouldn't be there. Like I'm a I'm I'm I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of Shakiri. But but I, I mean, they both need to play a role, obviously. So. Because we're paying Shakiri big bucks, he's got to do something also, uh, and he's also he's, he can be quality when he wants to be and when he gets the opportunity. So anyway, that that, that was my point there. But I just found it interesting that like Gucci really shines in games where Shakiri it, it appears where Shakiri is not playing. Not not saying Shakiri shouldn't play, but it, it's just interesting to me. So I don't know what that's about. Um, well, the other thing yeah. about it, so technically, like one of the things about the game after the fire had rolled out a sort of like three or five in the back line, like three center backs, two wing backs. Um, so it's like a three, you know, some combination of like a, a five, three, two, or like, it, you know, you can name it different things. They went back to like a four, two, three, one for this game and they won it. Um, but talking about Goody versus Shaq, technically speaking, the number 10 for that game was Brian, was Jairo Torres. So Brian Gutierrez was the left winger for the game, got two assists. Now, good point. Yeah, I mean, like, so I are we saying now? In reality, I mean, the way that I saw it for at least stretches of the game, it looked like Hiro was playing a little bit further back, and Guti was playing further up, almost like it was like a sort of like two in like a not quite like a dual striker, but like a formation where there's two guys up top with Casper being the other guy, um, but. Yeah, I mean, so Gucci doesn't have to be a 10 to play well and make a contribution, I guess is my point, because he really wasn't for that game. That's fair. Yeah, so, but regardless, he had a great performance. And yeah, he, oh, fantastic he performance. Him. Yeah. Yeah, and for him to, you know, make the impact that he did uh, is really what sealed us the game. So, you know, props to you, Gucci. You did great. Um, but the, the, the segue I was going to make, so anyway, uh, going go through the game. So what did Fabi score in, like the 46th minute or something? Is nil nil at half? Yeah, 46 minute. And what what minute did start, start? in the Portland game? Um, Fabi scored in the eighth minute. Oh, it was. There, uh, I I I'm thinking of the KC match. My bad. There's yeah. two two away games in a week where we won. I'm getting my wins mixed up, which is a good problem to have. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, Fabi scored earlier. Um, like I I don't think that before the score happened, I'm not really ready to say that I, I thought that the game was necessarily Chicago's for the taking. I thought we were we were playing pretty well, I thought. Um, but I don't necessarily know that it was um, really 100% the Fires game. I mean, I was impressed by how well we, we played in the beginning minutes. And, like, we did dominate possession in, like, the first, like, five minutes or so of the game before it evened out by, like, a little bit after... Herbert's goal, which as a fire fan made me nervous, but like it was great seeing the team come out, have control of possession, look confident, and just play. 
And I, I think that like even before the goal, I think that that was one of the big factors was like the team was like, oh, yeah, like we're in Portland playing on turf and here we are. We're just we're playing better than them. And I, I don't think you can really underestimate how important that was psychologically for the team to be like, like, sure, the, like, these guys like lace your boots same way we do. And like we're we're beating them on their own on their own turf now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Li- yeah. Like you said, I, I just corrected myself because I saw, yeah, it was eighth minute goal. And then 26 minute Portland uh, did tie it up. I was thinking of the KC game where it was the second half goal. Um, and then I scored in the 83rd. I believe yes, I think so. Um, but then, yeah, it, it was. Then we held out. And was this the game? This was the game that she hosts had the red that was rescinded. Correct. Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So that was. So that's honestly went <laughs> earlier. Not to go off on a tangent again. I promise we'll stay on track, Tim. <laughs> but uh, with she hosts, um, that tackle he made, world class, world class. It was so good. The ref thought he had to send him off. Like that's that's a captain right there to put your. To, to take that risk and to save the game, like that's what you want. And to get it captain. right. Yeah. And to get it 100% yeah. right. Yeah. And um, I think, I think that he deserves credit as much credit as Gucci really for that win. Um, because he, he really saved us there. He would have, he prevented it from being yet another Chicago fire draw. Cause that's what we will typically do in those dying moments. And he put it on the line. So the other thing I really liked about that game. So, you know, Portland got the equalizer in the first half, but what happened after that, by like the 30th minute, the fire were controlling the game again. And so it wasn't one of those things where like the fire gets a goal, whether by like, I mean, sometimes the goal feels lucky. Sometimes it feels like we're playing better, but then we'd sort of like step back a little bit, get a little more defensive and just like start reacting rather than creating in the game and then just let the game come to us. And we did that a little bit, like what it, the you know, fire scored and then Portland controlled the game for a little bit. They we kind of like evened it up. Portland scored not quite against the run of play. Like the run of play was pretty even at that point. But then the fire for a while at like the 20th, 25th, 30, 35th minute, like after Portland scored for like five or 10 minutes, we became dominant again, which like doesn't really happen. And like the confidence for the team doing that, I think is really important. Absolutely. And, you know, if we just, I just pull up the momentum graph here, but uh, yeah, I mean, like we were dominant up until pretty much that goal. Uh, we, you know, Portland kind of started taking the ball back, and then we uh, eventually, you know, did that, and then, uh, and then and we eventually scored. And then, you know, after that, you know, Portland kind of put their foot on the gas a bit, and we were pretty resilient up until the goal. And then, you know, it's kind of back and forth, back and forth. But then the second half, I'm looking at the momentum chart here, and you know, we really. It was it was pretty even in the second half, like you said, and um, I would almost argue, no, we definitely had more. I mean, it, I think we had better positions. We, we ended yeah. the game with the majority of the possession, yeah. and and I mean the momentum thing, like momentum isn't just possession, and like they both have their strengths and stuff like that. But like the fire had a significant part of the possession going into the second half, and they dominated. They absolutely dominated the possession in the second half. Um. So I mean, again, like. And it's a road game, right? Like a road game, like you're not supposed to do that. Like you're supposed to sort of like bend but not break. And it's supposed to be like lucky chances and all that. And like, that's not what the fire did. They played confidently and they they won the game. And it didn't look like it wasn't a game that it's like, oh, we're so lucky to get out with a win. Like it's a game that it could have gone the other way. Like it wasn't a slam dunk from the fire. Like, but they played pretty well. They were confident. 
you can't say they didn't deserve the win. They got the win. Yeah, and I mean, I'm looking at this, and I, I, I don't. I'm not the stats guy, right? But I'm just looking at the stats from this game. But 54% possession on the road is pretty good. I mean, that's for the fire, especially. I, I, that's awesome. And we had the higher expected goals, 1.35 versus 1.27, and. And 85% passing accuracy is also, I mean, they just played well. And, and this all goes to show. Uh, I'm not going to go through every single stat, but those yeah. are some of the stuff. No, we won more the duels. We, yeah. You know, we won more of the duels. We won a lot of the tackles. Like, you know, like it, it, we did a good job with the clearances and stuff. Like, we did a good job just technically in the game. But we, you know, in terms of like, you know, vibes, we, we played confidently. We didn't play like a team that was afraid of Portland, and we ended up winning a game that we deserve to win. Absolutely. All right. I think we should probably move on to sporting KC game where Fabian Herbers. What, exactly. Right. What happened? Uh, Fabian Herbers happened. Uh, this is week. He made, he made team of the week as well. Yeah. Um, so to jump into, jump into that one, I'm just going to reference my sheet here. Uh, let's let's go. see. We got Fabian Herbers, 47th minute goal. First half, I guess let's talk about. First half was boring. I don't know. I mean, it was it was fine. Thoughts? You were you were watching the game. You were <laughs> you were in Soldier Field watching uh, USA versus Jamaica. Or about you're right. right. You're right. I can't call it boring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it, it, the game felt a little different than it did than the the Portland game. I think the team didn't quite play as, as confidently like they're early on. I think that the fire did come out of the gate looking like the better team. But I mean, I feel like we've seen that script so many times before where the fire look really great for 10 or 15 minutes. Nothing happens as a result. And then after that, the game becomes more even than it becomes more of the other team's game. And then by like the 60th or 70th minute, you forgot the fire ever played well in that game and you just are bracing for a loss. But that's not what happened here. Like, the fire were, you know, okay. Like they were the better team early. Um, Fabian Herbers actually got a couple pretty good looks on on goal. Um, I, I feel like we like awakened the beast a little bit with him. I I don't think that he should be a week in week out striker or like starter. But you know, he he had a goal hungry look about him like a striker would, and didn't work for him. Which you know, again, like I I don't think that that's different than what we should expect. Then. After a while, SKC kind of got more comfortable in the game and they sort of dominated possession through the rest of, of the first half. Like there, you know, there was some back and forth and the fire didn't completely bend or break, but like I I was not feeling super confident that we would be getting a win going into halftime. I I will say I think part of the reason why the fire won that, obviously, good game by Herbers extremely good game by Brady again and a defensively extremely good game by Kamara. I mean, there was a point where Kamara was uh, Jiggly. Actually, I said this on Twitter. Why is Kamara on the field when Guti is off the field? When Gutierrez was brought on full honesty, it's because Kamara was heading everything away. Like he went into the box in every corner and he was in the box. You weren't getting past him. Defensively, yeah, he, was, he was a great. He was doing all the things you would think that a DP striker wouldn't. Like, I know he's not. I mean, in Montreal, he was a league minimum salary, but I think he's making like 200K for us. But like, he was being very selfless all game. 
he was getting back on defense. He was really pushing to make sure the team won. Um, you know, I don't think he was winning that many duels, but he was in duels, which is like the crazy thing that you can say about a striker, especially a 38 year old striker. Um, so yeah, I mean, but Brady, you know, it, I'm one of the people on the train that I, I believe that it come like the 2030 world cup, we will probably be seeing as us men's national team fans, Chris Brady starting and, and not Gaga. And if you want to know why, just like look at around the 23rd minute of that game where Brady makes a leaping save, you know, basically out of nowhere. It's, it's athletic. It requires prowess. It requires focus. And it's the kind of thing that like he can do. Not that Gaga doesn't have skill and talent, but it requires a physical dimension that I'm not really sure that Brady has and a, a kind of composure that you don't really see from guys his age. So Nina's biggest problem last year was that he wasn't challenged enough. Brady's biggest asset this year is he constantly gets challenged. So he's forced into making these saves. He's forced into making these amazing saves because someone's got to make them. Yeah, I mean, I think that early on with one of the things that kind of helped Brady and the mythos around him um, was the team was really desperately defending with 11 guys just to try to get no goals against. And as a result, the Fire weren't scoring goals. The Fire is scoring goals now. I mean, we're conceding some goals, and Brady is certainly seeing a lot of shots his way. But the fact the team is confident enough to like try to go for getting goals, I think, says something good. All right. Any last any comments, sir? Like Tim kindly pointed out. <laughs> but um, so I, I was at the USA Jamaica game for the Gold Cup, which is good vibes but that's another topic um but yeah i mean we were watching hot mob and we were like wow nil 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 you know uh we were watching the game so that's i guess why my head went to thinking it was boring um but yeah no i mean i I did watch the highlights of course and yeah brady had those big saves i i give you know we were we were solid in the back i mean Sporting KC, this is the, you know, to me, the opposite of Portland in that, you know, KC dominated possession of this one by far, like 66% possession, fire at 34%. Um, very different game from Portland, um, but ultimately a win is a win. And Herbers had the, was in the right place at the right time to knock that one in from, from so, Arkansas. And that was great. It's one of the things where, though, I think the possession doesn't tell the entire story. Like for a right. while, I think the fire were, confident enough to like step back and let Kansas City have possession. They did have some dangerous chances and I don't want to minimize that. And this is a Kansas City team that like has slowly worked his way back to full strength after missing like Alan Polito and Johnny Russell early in the year. But they the team was willing to let Kansas City have the ball and I think with the confidence that they could handle what happened as a result. Um it didn't feel like a game that the fire were getting like run over or anything like that. It's not like the, the possession numbers make it that alone makes it seem like the fire were getting dominated when realistically they weren't like, I, I think when you look at what you'd expect to have happened in that game, I think the fire kind of like held around the, the thing that concerns yeah. me more than anything else, to be honest from that game is just like the number of yellows, the fire accumulated after walking out of Portland with none. I think they got uh, three or 
I've got three here. Yeah. Oh, three. you're right. We need to get three. Yeah. Um. So yeah, basically everyone in the back line that started got a got a foul. So Chihos, yep. Pineda, and Suke got fouls. Um. Then we subbed someone off the back line, and we subbed the one guy that didn't get a foul off the back line, which just, I mean, I was like, oh my god, this is gonna like we're gonna get down, man. <laughs> and we've seen the script before, but that's luckily not what happened for us. Suke, this game, what happened to him? <laughs> Suke apparently decided that he was just gonna be pissed off all game, and I loved it. The entire game, he was he was bantering with the other players on the Portland. He was like going at them. He was yelling with the ref. He even dived like Navarro. I mean, I don't know what happened, but I like the Suke. Yeah, Suke. Yeah. Entered beast mode. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Tim. Go ahead. He entered beast mode, but he's a guy that's French and weighs like 160 pounds soaking wet. So the beast is not necessarily that dangerous necessarily, but it was still kind of good to see. Are Um, you saying are you saying if we give him a baguette that he'll be a better beast? I mean, if we give him a baguette that is like aged, so it becomes hard like a like a really dense hardwood, like a purple heart, kind of like hardwood level. Sure, and then he's dangerous. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, like it was just good. It, it was good to see him. Like actually, like he clearly has grown into the league a lot, and I think that this was kind of a. Everyone, I think, has games in the league if they're around long enough, where they just, it's like that, like network, you know, like the movie thing where it's like I'm mad as hell and I can't take it anymore. Like this was his his match like that. Um, but I think it was still good to see. And I mean, he, he did a good job with a lot of different phases of the game. That's good to hear. Cause I'm a, I haven't been the biggest fan of Suke and I'm kind of upset. I missed a performance where, you know, he kind of had the passion and spark that I've been longing for from him. Um, so it's good. And it's been coming though. Like it's not out of nowhere. Like the guy has early on, I, I said something that I, I, kind of regret um, involving him smoking a cigarette and not caring because that just is like a French <laughs> joke I can make. But no, Suke is, I think, really grown into the league and grown into the game um, a lot. And you started seeing different aspects of it kind of like waking up at different points. And now I, I'm still not sure he's a 600K center back or sorry, fullback in this league because that's a lot of money for a fullback in this league. But um, you know, like I think he's a good right back, and I I do like the performance he's giving. All right, so let's hurry on to the next thing. <clears throat> so up next, the fire will be coming down here. Actually, before we go on, I do want to say one thing. I just thought of this: the fire are now perfect against Western Conference teams. Why? <laughs> or no? Because. West is best rhymes, but East is best is actually true. You know, that makes sense. Okay, anyway, so the fire are now coming down to Florida. I will not be going, unfortunately, but they are going to Orlando. They are going to be facing off against the good old Orlando City SC without their Manatee logo, which is unfortunate. Uh, Orlando are currently have two wins, two draws, and one loss in the last three. Uh, Facundo Torres has five goals, and Former fire target Martin Oyeda has four goals and four assists. 
and Duncan McGuire has six goals. Gentlemen, any comments on this? They'll win. I mean, it they should be a good game. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll like we'll see what happens, but I feel like the Flyer have been playing a lot more confidently, and um, we're still kind of early into the Frank Klopas tenure of the team. Um, early on, like he inherited a team that was playing a ton of games and not a lot of time, and had some injuries to key parts of the squad. So, you know, I'm not saying he's Pep Guardiola or anything like that, but I don't think we've really seen what Frank Klopas wants out of the team yet. Like, I think we started seeing parts of it. Um, but I don't think that we have seen enough to really judge him yet. Other than the team has played confidently in two games on the road against opponents that, you know, theoretically look like tough matches. And they they played confidently and they got wins. So, um, and like, Orlando's seventh in the standings right now. Chicago's twelfth. There's five points that separate the two teams. Um, like that is the difference between like the fire just not conceding one goal against Cincinnati and you know turning like one of those losses that were you know potentially winnables into draws and then one after that. So it's not like there really is that much separating these two teams and their records. Uh, all right, gentlemen, score predictions. And who is scoring? Oh, boy. That's <laughs> I, that's more than I normally get into. Yeah, that is. Yeah, you didn't prepare me for that one. Um, score prediction, I think 2-1 fire again. I, I, I can see myself. I can see us conceding a goal. I can also see us scoring some goals. I'm guessing at least one will be assisted by Gucci. Uh, maybe uh, another one assisted by Shaq. That'd be ideal. And maybe some goals from if they give Kutsias enough minutes. I could see a goal from him in this game. Uh, and then other goal. Ooh, I hope Hyro Torres. Honestly, that would be great. I he needs that, one. Uh, he needs one. And honestly, I mean, from from what I saw from him. And I think it was the KC highlights. I saw a couple times where, I mean, didn't he, he, he like had a ball into the box that got, that's, you know, he didn't assist the goal directly, but he had the ball into the box that eventually landed at Herbert's feet. And I don't know. He looked good on that play. I didn't see it much of him that game, but I, I think that if he can get a goal, he's been obviously played with injuries and everything. If he can get a goal. I think that would get him on the right track and maybe he'll be our star player in the second half of the season. A man can hope. Tim. You know, I'm also going to go 2-1. Um, I'm never good at predicting who gets goals, and this is just like a good way to make all of us look bad, I think. But um, I think Guti is kind of due for getting on the score sheet with his play of late. Um, you know, I think Marin is also working his way back from, from injury and has looked really good. So, you know, that I guess would be the, the two that I go with. I'm going to go with the Matt prediction. I'm going to go 4-2. I'm going to say Ooh. a goal... Goal from Guti, a goal from Kutsius, a goal from Pineda, and a freak goal from a strong gust of wind where Chris Brady scores. Wow. I Would that w- be a better goal than Zellerayon's goal against us? or? I mean, yes, because 
our club doesn't have a shirt that looks like it's been peed on. Yeah. So therefore, it's better. <laughs> I I I don't know, man. I think that uh, I think we got. I, I think if we're we're beating these other, two, you know, we're beating Portland, we're beating Kansas City. I think that why not beat Orlando? Other than the fact they're in the East, and apparently they can't beat Eastern Conference teams. Well, and we're due for one sooner or later, right? Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, the vibes are strong after those two. So I just want also, them to win. We're also I just undefeated in Florida. So we've got one win in Florida so far this year. Yeah. I I just want them to win because Orlando jokingly has the manatee kit and they haven't changed their kits over to the manatee. And I love the manatee kits. Which Put the Disney logo on there. That's all that matters in Orlando. You know what's funny? Universal Studios would probably hate you saying that. That's actually true. I was at Universal like, okay, so can, can I make a quick tangent? Absolutely not. Go ahead. All right, thanks. Uh, so COVID, March 2020, I was going to go to that fire at Orlando match. Like I hopped on a flight. So I left that morning that the MLS season got postponed. So I hopped on a flight that morning. I was like, okay, game's still on. NBA canceled the season last night. Maybe they can squeeze in one more MLS game before the world shuts down, whatever. So I hopped on a flight. Everyone's wearing masks. It, you know, whatever your political stance on that, it was weird at the time for everybody, I think. Um, and, you know, we, we got by the plane. I'm making fun of people using hand sanitizer or whatever. It, it, hindsight's 2020. Um, but we we get we get there we get off the plane i turn on my phone cuz i'm just anxious right i'm like man they better not cancel this game i open my phone up everyone's adding me on twitter mls season is you know postponed i would have been at that game and the fire hopefully would have won the vibes were strong that season with you know new owner and everything but you know we had the covid season mls is back and all that so anyway that's my uh that's my story about orlando but then we did not go to disney we did go to Universal, which is what prompted that. Uh, we went to Universal the last day they were open before they closed for COVID. So that was fun vibes. But we wore a fire jersey. Like we dangerous to- virus coming that is still sort of unknown. And the thing that you think about doing is going to a theme park. My, my well, wa- now wife, you know, then girlfriend <laughs> was on a on a like bridal party trip to uh, to Disney like two weeks before COVID. And we were joking about how, like, she probably got COVID because if you're getting COVID anywhere in America at that point, like, it was probably just by hanging around in Disney for two days, uh, which is what she did. Obviously, I don't look back at that. I'm not proud of the fact that I did that. But you know, at the time, we were like, oh, it's old people, nursing homes. What you, you know, it was a different time. And, like, obviously, yeah, looking back, it's... You know, it's kind of funny though. Like that, to make you feel better, that same day, this woman I work with, who at that point was in her late seventies, um, was she kind of like knew was aware of COVID. She's a, a doctor. She decided to fly to Egypt despite the fact that COVID was happening, and she kind of was aware of it. Um, and she was on her way back, like the same day the MLS season was canceled, because I was like emailing her, and she's like, "All right, gotta get my flight." Um, Turns out she got COVID. Um, we found out later from her getting an antigen test before vaccines were available. She was like, I slept for like two days and 
I never sleep for two days, but I thought it was jet lag and that turned out to be it. So, you know, she was making the same choice as you were. She wasn't like on lockdown and she was like a, a woman in with some health issues in her late seventies. So. Well, what's even funnier is right before we decided to go to universal, we were literally thinking about going home. Like we were like, what happens if like we can't fly or something crazy like that? And we were like freaking out because we got there and it was like, I think the big turning point at that point was the fact that sports leagues were canceling their seasons. And, you know, the NBA was the only one to do it at that point. And then MLS did it that morning where literally while I was on the plane. Um, and yeah, it was just like, I think that's the, that was the eye opening moment. Like, Hey, we should probably take this kind of seriously. Then we still went to universal, but anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get back on track. Yeah. Um, back on track. Orlando. I, I, I call it a dub. I think it'll be a win, but we'll see. All right. So up next, we have some comments from the invasion of Italy. Tim, would you like to read those, please, sir? So these are from Alan, his words, not mine. From watching highlights, especially the goals and the better shots on target, it's so much fun to watch the players such as Goody and Fabi taking their time and being aware of their surroundings. Definitely a problem that was prevalent in previous games. I'm looking forward to seeing more plays down the middle rather than horseshoe style of play where the fire keep trying to move through the wings and then end up passing it back to the wing backs and center backs. In that style of attack, the opposition team usually applies slight pressure, not even challenging much to force an error from the fire. Sporting in Portland definitely were looking to exploit that, but it's definitely visible that the Chicago boys have been working on their passing and first touches since the game prior to the international break. Fabian Herbers has been the man in the right place and time for both of the goals. And the deliveries from both Guti, uh, from Guti to both Kai and Fabi against Portland is what really has been missing in the final third. Just that one right pass or lob. Casper Shabilko, take notes, fam. <laughs> I'm assuming that's kind of an end joke with him and his family. I don't know. No. <laughs> <Josh> hasn't... <laughs> if Tim, Tim is old. In goal for SKC, we definitely would have seen more fire goals at Kansas City. Hopefully, this will be a good step in the right direction in terms of the overall more goal scoring from both outside the box and from the ones that pass to the player in the right space and time. It also gave us the question of the day. Oh, no, um, that was me. Oh, that was you. Okay, well. I, I want to ride to read this just because it's a rise first time. Like one or two sentences, though, because we've really wasted a lot of people's time. We really have. Well... I'm looking at the question of the day, and I did pre-read this before, and I was like, what on earth is Alan talking about? <laughs> so here we go. Uh, question of the day. Doo-doo-doo. Pick three players on the fire roster at this very moment. They've now been exposed to gamma rays and have superpowers, because logically, what are their superpowers, why, and could they realistically defeat Thanos with Four Stones, the Joker, and Yaldabaoth from Persona 5? Was that English? Uh, that's also my reaction. I believe that's Aramaic. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, For those, so that we're don't just know. going to we're just going to go. <laughs> um, pick three fire players and what are their superpowers, and then could they defeat some badasses? Yep. So basically, Yaldabaoth is God, or at least an offset of God from when she was real. But you know. Wait, like Kanye West with that album, or like, are we? Yaldabaoth is God if he was an a hole, basically. So, like Kanye West with that album, basically just Kanye West. Okay, cool. Anyway, but yes, Arai, who is your first player? 
I, I say we all just pick one player and we go from there. That I think that's fair. Uh, Raphael right. Shihos. And his superpower is ungodly strength. And oh, wait, no, I have to pick one thing, right? Or what? I mean, is it one? I mean, technically, technically superpowers, uh, for example, with the Hulk, he's so strong that he literally can just re-strengthen his ability so he gets instant healing type of thing. So, I mean, technically, one superpower overlaps with everything else. Because you can be so okay. strong that you can't be shot, like with One Punch Man. So, well, I go Rafa Shihos, and I'll say his superpower is accuracy. I'm I'm not over that tackle that he had that was so good that, you know, the ref thought it was a red card, and then literally had to go back and say my bad. Like that was that was a superpower strength. That was superpower right there, in my Perfect. opinion. All right, we got interesting. Interesting, Tim. Um. All right, I'm gonna not follow the rules because that's <laughs> what I'm doing tonight. I'm not gonna do a player. I'm gonna do a coach. Okay, that's fine. I'm gonna say Frank Klopas has pyrokinesis, <laughs> um, which is the ability to create or control fire with your mind. Um, because if the fire is gonna make anything out of this season, that's really what we need. Then why are we not above the playoff line already, Tim? Well, because, because he doesn't have pyrokinesis. Do you not understand how like superpowers work? You just don't turn them on or off. Like sometimes they are are more there or less there. Like sometimes I had superpowers. I'd figure it out. He can't use yeah. the superpowers because the Greek gods told him he can't. Oh, he is Greek. That's right. Yeah, like he's got to do like the right things and like go <laughs> to Mount Olympus and like say the right things in front of the right gods and like I mean. Wait, Frank Frank Klopas is Prometheus. Wait, wait, wait. Instead of them in eating this, the liver, he just had to go to the fire. Is Mount Olympus that Greek restaurant he took all the players to? Wait, no, man. To Mount Olympus and not and not Greek islands. That's like sacrilege for Frank Klopas. Wait, what was the name of that restaurant he took him to? That like was I mean, I'm assuming Greek guy. islands. Cause that's the only Greek restaurant that, as far as I know, he actually likes going to. It's got to be that. But yeah, like there was. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I I see you, Tim. I think. Uh, okay. Also, answer, like, he's got to go do that, like, whole, like, you know, pilgrimage thing and make the great gods satisfied, which you have to probably do in Greece. You know, he doesn't have time to do while he's coaching the team through like eleven games in thirty six days. Yeah, make a trip to Greece. You need the international break for that, man. Come on. We did have uh, a rough stretch of games there, but thankfully, it's now going to be spaced out and. Hopefully they get more they they stay more focused because you could see the fatigue. Yeah, no, it wasn't it wasn't about the it wasn't about the squad rotation or tired legs or anything like that. It's the fact that like Frank Lobos didn't have time to go and sacrifice a goat. Like that's the yeah. real issue. <laughs> right. True. No no comment. I immediately thought of bad jokes. No comments. Okay. Um bad jokes evolving. Sacrificing a goat is already a bad joke, so you're I mean Depends on if Zeus is there or not. Oh, I get it. You're getting the transforming the animals and having extra things. Thing. All right, well, we'll just move on from that. All right. Uh, I am going to actually say that I'm going to choose Chris Brady. I'm going to say for some reason, Brady marks me as somebody that would just, for no reason, just be extremely 
like elemental based knowledge. So kind of like Aang from Avatar, like you would be very much elemental stuff, earth, fire, water, and all that. So kind of like the jack of all trades in that. What about wind? Are a lot better than mine. Winds, I don't probably. Have... My answer was bad compared to your guys's. I mean, my answer was just depends. I thought of fire and pyrokinesis, and I just walked back from there. Okay, so if if I'm if I'm gonna give an answer that doesn't follow the rules, it's gonna be Ezra Hendrickson and time travel. Ooh, because I oh I do not want to get into a half an hour discussion on this, but I still don't think he was given enough time. He wasn't. Yeah. Or at least he wasn't given enough enough good players for the right amount of time. Okay. So anyone who's listening to this, you can't see this, but we're on video chat while we're while we're recording, and uh, the fire banner behind Ray's head actually just changed from a season ticket holder 2018 banner to being a MLS Cup Champions 2022 banner, in like that same Ooh. effect that was used in um in. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Back to the Future, like same thing, but like it's there now. So the time travel thing worked. Yeah, uh, look at that. I don't <laughs> know, man. I think uh, anyway, that that was not following the rules, and that was I, I just had to take that shot. But that's um, normal. Yeah. Although, if you got time travel as an ability, like, don't you just like go kidnap like Zeron Chikiri from like when he's like twenty eight years old or like twenty five <laughs> or something? And wait, that's a good take. That's a good take. What can like we Liverpool, use? Liverpool shit on Shakiri. <laughs> uh, should we use our time travel for good? Use our powers for good? No, let's go kidnap a bunch of good soccer players and bring you to the fire. What are you talking about? That brings joy to us, which is the good. It is for good. I mean, sure, you could probably also like stop genocide and stuff like that too. But you know, let's see. Go back to 2018. Oh my and... god, that got deep. <laughs> Freaking. I mean it. I mean, in fairness, if I could time travel, I'd just go back like 20 years and just go back and eat good Totino's pizza. Wait, did we go the whole podcast without mentioning Messi? Yes. Oh, yes, no, we don't. No. We're not talking about it. No. Wait, that's Listen, crazy. I am in Florida. I have to hear about this crap every day. Shush. No Messi. No more Messi. He's not fair, here. I, to be fair, I did say sacrifice a goat. So I didn't say which goat. Full circle. I didn't. Circle. I didn't know we were sacrificing David or Shockian. <laughs> All right, that's the pod. <laughs> me, bro. I love Kevin Egan. All right, I think that so we don't get murdered by uh, by our editor. We should end the video here. So thank you everybody for watching or listening. I'm sorry, I am too tired and thinking of pizza now. Yeah, Thank you for listening. Video. It's a podcast, DJ. And in fairness, we are looking at each other, and I am recording everything we are doing for future blackmailing purposes. Anyway, wait, you're recording the video too. Uh, goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you for listening. This has been an interesting podcast, as per usual, and it has been a joy with my co-host, Mr. Tim. Hey, guys. Um, thanks for sticking with us. And for the returning Mr. Beast of Bray Road, who will now return to his slumber of Milwaukee Bucks. He doesn't get the shout-out? Come on. Get that reference. The Beast of Bray... Oh, my goodness. These 
these two are so uncultured on the cryptids of the Midwest. Like, you stop recording when you explain it, and you're gonna roll your like you're physically going to roll your eyes again. <laughs> yeah. All right, but anyway, like Mr. Dahmer or something, but you didn't, and you know. Uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Arai, go ahead and say your goodbye. Come on, you men in red. An excellent thing. Now, goodbye, everybody. We will see you next time.